Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Memory Machine, a historical, pop-cultural, anecdotal podcast. My name is Nate Lockhart, and I am your host yet again. Across the room from me is a guest that needs no introduction. His name is... My name is Andy Parks. I've been on this show, I believe it's been three times already. This is the fourth. I know. And this episode kind of comes in between a few things. Uh, I've had some plans for other episodes that are coming into fruition, but that left me with a week of uh, not knowing what the heck to do, but came with one on the fly. Andy uh, heeded the call, and here we are. We're talking to you today about five of our very favorite summer movies. This is sort of... Um, our nostalgic summer movies, Our correct? nostalgic summer movies. Right. Uh, movies that we associate with summer or about summer, whatever have you. So this is sort of to tie in with an article series that's been going on at the Geekiverse uh, Weekly, I believe on Fridays, comes out by a guy who his moniker is the sweetest Lou. I just call him Lou, and I'm forgetting his last name starts with an M. Anyways, um, his, uh, it's, it's sort of spearheaded by him. Other people have contributed, but it's sort of just a ranking of different pop culture things. And I thought this would be a fun opportunity to do a little tie-in with that and share our own opinions about uh, summer stuff because it's summer. So that's what we're going to talk about today, some movies. And because this is sort of off the fly and um, it's something that I didn't have a lot of time to prepare for, life's been getting in the way and different uh, preparations have come and gone. And so uh, we're going to forego the Weekend Geek, um, which is just as well, since it's always last minute development anyways. But uh, suffice it to say, I think we should just uh, leap right into this thing, shall we? Sounds good to me. I love it. Uh I, can I, I share a geek story with you, by the way, before wish, we get started? I wish you would. My uh, my wife's family came into town a couple weeks ago at this uh-huh. point, and it was my father-in-law, my brother-in-law, and a, a couple other... No, it was actually just those two, now that I think about it. And there's always that tension of like, okay, they're here, how do we keep them entertained? How do we keep them happy? Like, what, uh-huh. would, what would make them comfortable? Like, what are they like? They're, they're more... Um, they're used to being in a more rural area. They like, you know, out- outdoorsy things, hunting and, and that that kind of activity. And I am a urban indoor kid, and I yes. don't really have any desire to go outside. Yes. Well, they're all from rural, right? Uh, Lancaster County oh, or whatever. Lancaster yeah. County, Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's very yeah, rural. Yeah. And something, what, what do I have? What can I do that would possibly keep them entertained while I'm doing things like making dinner? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, they found my uh, my Raspberry Pi that I had made, oh, in t- that yes. I had made into a uh, retro pie gaming console Very cool. and they i think they over the course of a 12-hour period played about eight hours of galaga uh-huh yeah and it was my father-in-law my father-in-law and my brother-in-law they were playing two-player and it was just constant <laughs> it was played it before dinner they wolfed their food down they played it after dinner it late into the night and when i woke up they were playing it again because they woke up early to continue playing wow and it was really special to be like oh this game is from 1981 i believe and it still yeah. holds their attention to an addictive degree on the fly yep i was very mm-hmm. impressed and that is such a fun game i've gone back and i've played it a bunch since because i saw it i'm like oh this is fun i'd like to play i could not get a controller in edgewise <laughs> uh, they were they were monopolizing it and good for them when they left yeah. i continued to play yeah and so he was asking how do you build it how do you make one how do you put one together Together and I'm just gonna. I think I might just gift him mine for Christmas this year because there you go. He, he very much appreciated it. And yeah, and besides, they're very easy to put together. So if you yeah, want to make can, another one, just 
I could easily make another one. Yeah, scrap together forty or fifty bucks, and you're good to go. Exactly. You know, exactly. That's awesome. I mean, so it, there's a reason Galaga has stuck around oh for as goodness. long as it has. I mean, that game's a blast and a half. What a what a treasure of a game. Yeah, I have it on. A, I have a new a new to me Atari seventy eight hundred, and I have Galaga on that machine, and it is a very very good rendition of Galaga, and I've played it a lot. Probably uh, wore out button on a controller or two. Oh yeah, so, you have to. Oh yeah, for sure. I mentioned on a on a podcast before, but my brother—that's his favorite arcade game. And when he plays it, his thumb moves so fast on the fire button; it's sort of like a fan blade. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> you can't really see his thumb anymore because he sort. I think he does something like, like when you snap your fingers, like he just does that motion, but like super fast. Yikes. And uh, yeah, he's a, he puts up he puts up some pretty high scores in Galaga. I can imagine. Yeah, what were their high scores, by the way? Do you remember? I do. Um, it was a big deal when my brother-in-law hit forty-one thousand. Okay, he had forty-one thousand. That was a big deal. Um, and after he left, I played for about twenty minutes. Yeah, and I hit forty-seven, and I was like, "Ah, oh, eat it!" And that was not a very <laughs> mature response. But no, I uh, yeah, I, and it, I don't think anyone was taking it super seriously. It was no. definitely more of a. Uh, a party game in that everyone yeah. was watching and as soon as you get hit or whatever, ah, yeah. was a lot of, a lot of that kind of sentiment. And it was just, it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And it was, it, I would never have guessed that that would be something that would hold their attention. Yeah. And, you got to come to Masuda Chow's with me sometime. The new barcade that opened up there in uh, Buffalo. Oh my goodness. Yes. They have a Galaga machine that, that has, um, it's a Galaga machine with Galaxian, Galaga, and I think like, um, like Galaga 88 or something like that, which is some update they did. Sure. I think I've on. seen that machine before yeah. elsewhere, but yeah, that's a, I can't imagine that would be a blast. Oh yeah. That's a great arcade too. But uh, speaking of arcades, which is something that you do in summer, which is things you watch movies, the time you watch movies during, um, Segway of the year King goes to Segway Nathaniel Lockhart, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. So we have our top five. Do you want to do this where we trade off? We do like yeah. one and one. Yeah, because we off. we did um, mention our lists to each other real quick, mm-hmm. and we didn't double up. So uh, I think we have some things to talk about. Right, and I'm going to call an audible if you don't mind, Mister Lockhart. I, I wish you would. Uh, Lou could not be here today. No, and Lou expressed an interest in a movie. So I would like to give Lou's. One of Lou's suggestions that he thought up before I did, mm-hmm. and I'd like to give him credit, and we can speak of this movie together before we go back and forth. Would that, would that yeah, be acceptable? I think that's fair. Okay. Yes. Lou suggested the early to mid-90s classic Heavyweights. Yes. yes. That film has so many things going on. So yes. many things that you couldn't do. In no. that same film now. It no. was a, a film about kids who were being sent to fat camp, openly mocking each other's physical appearance yes. in their adolescence. Which, but in a way that wouldn't have happened five years earlier either. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, it was this. It was that weird... The 90s was such a bizarre decade. Yeah. It was like uncomfortably self-aware. Yes. But also had blind spots you could drive a truck through. It yes. was just such a weird <laughs> decade. Yes. The film in the 90s was strange. But no, Heavyweights... Yeah. Um, I remember I had first heard of it because friends had seen it and they made a big deal about the line. Um, 
we pressured him and he folded like the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl. Yeah, right. And I heard, yeah. and they were like, they made fun of the Bills. And that's obviously a sore spot in my heart. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, the, well, the, just even a mention in a popular film warrants celebration. Like, oh, we, like we're yeah. celebrating the mention, but also lamenting that yeah. it was a, it was a slap in the face. It's because we're losers. It's because yeah. we are, yeah. we are, you know, yeah. epically known losers. Yeah. However, that is such a fun movie. It is so good. Um, just, uh, what's his name? Ben Stiller. Mm-hmm. Acting to the rafters yes. as the bad guy. Just, yes. He, I mean, he is joyously chewing the scenery yeah. as, the, as the villain in that movie. In a way, he really wouldn't do again, I think, until Dodgeball. He, he channeled that character in Dodgeball. I, I, I believe he did, T- yes. Tony Perkis? Perkis? What was his name? Anthony? Perkins. Perkins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Percocize. <laughs> I like the food. Love the food. Wait till I finish the question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, my man. goodness, that is. Yeah. Uh, I, you're I, right. I don't think the director was saying to him, "Hey Ben, more." Yeah. No. 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 It was just Ben Stiller just walked in there and decided, yeah. "How big can I possibly go?" Yeah. And then he went to eleven from there. Yeah. And man, that's such a fun role. And, and the fact what? that that his father, Jerry Stiller, is in it as well. Yeah, that's true. At they the they are the, the elderly mm-hmm. couple who has sold the camp to Ben Stiller's character. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, just some of the dialogue in that movie is just so great. Yeah. Like at the very beginning when uh when the the heavy set kid is being sent to camp I don't remember the character's name, the, but he's the, being the main character. The main character yeah. is being sent to camp and his dad I believe is I believe he's Jeffrey Tambor. He is Jeffrey guy. Tambor, yes. Yes. And he goes, oh, we're sending you to, to this, you know, wellness camp. And he goes, it's a fat camp. Yeah. No, it's not. Like, why are you sending me? You're fat, too. Yeah, <laughs> he says right. to his dad. <laughs> uh, not yeah, just, t- yeah, just very open, blunt language about fatness. Yeah. Right. And then Ke- Keenan Thompson is in it. Yeah. Oh, it's. I, I was going to say, it is um, It is a treasure trove of 90s child stars. Yes. Like Goldberg's in it. Keenan Thompson's yeah, in it. Yeah, half of the cast of um, the Mighty Ducks The, the, the main character's been in a dozen shows and movies throughout that time. Yeah. And, um, I forget the name of the uh the lead adult actor, his name, mm-hmm. uh, but but he was in some things at the time, and he's great in that role. Yes, sort of slightly put upon, but also extremely jovial and uh, and and very much facilitates in the kids' fun and right. Um, and it, I, it it's so like lovable that movie. It is, and it really I felt like it lovingly engaged with uh, '80s camp and movie tropes. Yeah, and just it didn't like. It wasn't trying to be self-aware. It wasn't trying to like wink, wink, nudge, nudge the audience to say, yeah. look at these tropes I'm, I'm referencing. But yeah, right. it almost like it took them and said, how how can we do our best with these tropes? And I feel yeah. like they did a, a fun, great job with it. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you talk about lines. Like there's even one I quote constantly. And it's something that's just sort of offhandedly said by... Um, Goldberg, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. But uh, he, just, he just sort of leans back and goes, hmm, this pleases me. <laughs> and I say that and I reference it constantly because it's just such a perfect way of expressing yes I'm contented <laughs> well his character is named Josh and the only Josh. reason I remember his character's yeah. name is Josh because he left he leaves camp at one point in the movie then he comes yeah. back and he goes Josh was bad Josh now good like like, like they had been messing with him while he was gone and uh, yeah and so every now I think of that line every now and again Josh was bad <laughs> Yep. But no, I I, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have nothing but fond uh, fond thoughts of that movie, and that was that was Lou's pick, and I wanted to give him full credit for that because that is such a gem mm-hmm. and such a fun rewatch if you ever get an opportunity. Which I yes, recommend. it is. It's an excellent summer camp movie, uh, one of the best. There there really are very few of them. It would su- might surprise you considering that there are so many of them. Mm. 
Heavyweights is one of the few really good ones. Right. I gotta say. Uh, here's um, real quick, Mr. Lockhart. Sorry, are, we, are we going? Are we? Are these in any particular order? Or are they? Just I did not five? put. I did not put mine in any order. Okay, fantastic. So we can just uh, go back and forth. I mean, we can try to ad hoc rank them after we're done. Yeah, maybe, maybe um, afterwards we'll rank just, them just, just for funsies. Right, but for um, now we'll, we'll no, do this. Right now. I'll, I'll give. I'll let uh, Lou give his other top films. So he, he actually did put these in order for, for him. His number five was Heavyweights. Uh, Fourth or two, I haven't seen. So if you have anything to say about these, I encourage you to jump in. Please. Mr. Andy Parks. All right. His number four was Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. That was a weird movie. I have not seen it. it that is just, yeah, that was something. I saw it once earlier than I should have. Earlier, oh, yeah. than, earlier than I think was <laughs> yeah. wise for whatever adult was supervising me. I don't remember anything about it other than adults made this movie on purpose <laughs> um yes but I, I, that's all i remember yeah I, I i haven't seen it i've seen it referenced constantly like as in the, t- the title referenced constantly but sure. never uh, made a point to see it three is camp nowhere i've not seen it uh, i have not either i remember the poster i remember the ads on tv i've Wait. never seen it camp nowhere camp now here yeah i feel like i have seen that movie yeah or am I getting I, it confused in my head for bushwhacked? <laughs> I don't wasn't know. It doesn't a, matter. Wasn't that a movie where, and I could be totally wrong about this, but wasn't that the movie where, like, they told the parents it was a math camp, and then the parents leave, and it's not a math camp anymore? I'd believe it. I, that's yeah. I don't know. I think I remember that movie. Yeah. I, re- I remember there was, like, a in the opening credits, uh, there's, like, a song that's played, and, it, uh-huh. and it's, like, this, like, whatever, like, pastor rock music at that point. And but then there's a part where the kids their kids will jump in and they'll yell nowhere, like dur, 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 uh, dur, nowhere. And so there there, I remember that, but the movie must not have been super memorable for me because that's all I remember. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I, I something I've just I've known of. Sure. I've known I've known of its existence. Fair enough. I haven't seen it. Is number two. I think you might know this one. Okay. And uh, I know I could hear our mutual friend Mike Danilek yelling at a distance that I haven't seen this yet. But number two is... His number two is Little Giants. Oh, I've seen that movie a number of times. Okay, so you can speak on this a little bit. I can bit. speak on this one. All right. Uh, what makes it special? Why is it good? Why is it a good summer movie? It's a good summer movie in that it doesn't try to do too much. Uh-huh. It just takes the the kids' sports movie, underdog team of people who don't know what they're doing, yeah. um, up against... Uh, and it's it's funny because the team is the Giants, right? And they're playing against uh, the Cowboys, the little Cowboys, the little Cowboys, yes. right? And uh, there's, I feel like there's a couple of actors who went on to be in Mighty Ducks in that one as well. Isn't Rick Moranis in Little? Rick Giants? Moranis is in Little Giants. Yes. Yeah. There's one who is like a one of the the ball players is a kid who his mom is super protective and like wants him to play, yeah. literally wrapped in bubble wrap. Yeah. Um, there's one kid who can't catch anything and gives his hands pep talks, which yeah. I, I actually reference that one in my personal life all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like it, they throw him the football and he drops it and he, and he puts it, he holds out his hands and he says to them, what's the matter, fellas? I, I, I put gloves on you when you're cold. I, I clip your nails when you get long. Why, why you gotta do this to me guys? And, uh, and John, kind of funny. and John Madden's in it at one point yeah. for no good reason. The, the, the play that the little giants use spoiler to win the, everything is a play called the annexation of Puerto Rico. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> at one point, they're like printing up plays because they plugged a Super Nintendo game into a computer and then they used a dot matrix printer to print off plays. You can't do that. You, no, you can't do that. <laughs> no. That's not a thing. Yeah. But they did. And no, yeah. that's a. it's just a fun, goofy uh, kid sports movie. Well, what, there's a line that our, I, our, our friend Mike always references, like, you did something to Kevin something or other, but he says it in a voice like this. We used to race our bikes down Cherry Hill every day after school. We'd race every day, and he'd always beat me. But one time, one time, I beat him. You beat Kevin down Cherry Hill? Like, they give him, like, a, a pep talk at the end of the movie, and one of, like, the, the nerdy kid is, like, incredulous or something, and he says something. I don't know. I, I don't, that's, I mean, that might be very quotable for Daniel, like, but I don't remember. Yeah. But no, I, I, I mean, he fun. says it all the time. I'll, I'll put, I'll, I'll splice in a clip if I could find it. Please. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Little Giants. That's Little Giants two. is fun. And, and, and anything with Rick Moranis is, is going to mm-hmm. get a, a, oh, a, a boost from me just because of the nearness of him. Yes. <laughs> I, I adore Rick Moranis. His number one is one I'm going to talk about later. Mm-hmm. So I won't spill it now. All right. Fair well, enough. I'll mention that it was his number one when we get to it. But fair enough. Lou. There you go. I hope it did your list justice. You're, you um, are missed, Lou. This is kind of a tie into your our, your your baby at the Geekiverse. So uh, there, we, we made sure that you got your two cents in. So anyways. All right. Mr. Andy Parks. Yes, sir. You're um, in no, not number five, but not really. Yeah, in no particular order. Okay. Let's do it one by one. All right. So so let's do, talk about your first one. Okay. Yeah. My first one, and I'm going to get this one out of the way because I've spoken of it before on this podcast, mm-hmm. and it is a movie that I, when I heard it was coming out, I built my summer around this movie. Okay. And I say my whole summer because I was hyped the months leading up to it from the day the trailer was dropped. Mm-hmm. I I was very hyped for this movie, but I could not find an adult willing to go sit through this monstrosity, so I had to wait until it came mm-hmm. out on home video, and my great-grandmother bought it for me. But it is, and I've mentioned before, Power Rangers the movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying Power Rangers the movie was a great film because the plot is virtually non-existent. They threw money at costumes that they should have thrown at either a decent writer or some CGI because it is some of the worst CGI of the entire 90s. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. But I, I believe you. I, I will at some point, Nate, when we're not uh, in a audio-only medium, I will show you this uh, some of the CGI scenes because they are an abomination. They, they look... Oh, they man. Look, for even, like, even for that year, it came out on June 30th, 1995, and heaven help me, it they're awful. But... No, that movie, I, I was hyped for it for months before it came out. I couldn't see it in theaters because I literally could not find an adult willing to sit through 90 minutes of that garbage. Yeah. And then I I bought it and I watched it. I was so convinced once I got it home that it was going to be good yes. that I, as a, as a 10-year-old, convinced myself that it was good. Yeah. And looking back on it, it is a garbage piece of cinema. But it, like not even like it doesn't rise to the level of the TV series. Oh no! no the, yeah. the TV series, I feel like knew what it was. Yeah, and just was. Yeah, and that was nice. But the film tries to walk the line of being as campy uh, and silly as the show, while also having much hot. Like the stakes are actually real capital on, S stakes. Right. Well, yeah. the stakes on paper are the same. Bad yeah. guy comes in and tries to take over Earth. Like that's the stakes of the show and the stakes of the movie, but the right. movie wants you to take those stakes seriously, while still kind of thinking that everything is camp. 
Mm. And yeah, it's uh, it's a bit of a mess. The story doesn't make any sense at all. There's there's plot holes every five minutes. Mm. Um, there's a, a random uh, female character who's not in the show who shows up in the movie in like the tiniest outfit you can possibly put her in <laughs> in a children's film. Yeah, and it for uh, kids for kids. Yeah, yeah, well, that's something to keep the uh, the adults paying attention. Apparently, but uh. it was just such a such a bizarre. Like I look at it very much, and I think. You thought the success of the f- television franchise were, were these things because I assure you it wasn't. Yeah, it was it was other things. But no, so yeah. I, I enjoyed that a lot, and I still, whenever I think about summer, I think of, I remember the date. It's June thirtieth, nineteen ninety five. Power Rangers the movie came out, and uh, even though it was bad, I very much enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I don't remember much about it. I watched it when it came out on videotape at a friend's house. Okay. I do remember that. I remember the bad guy was purple. Ivan Ooze. I remember a lot of night scenes, which wasn't necessary. No, yeah, I, I remember. I remember um, thinking, "Huh, this is usually like set in daytime, and mm-hmm. now it's nighttime." Yeah. <laughs> they had a budget, yeah, I guess, and they wasted it on that. Yeah, um, I don't remember the CGI, but I, I wonder what it'll. Something. I, this is a quick aside about CGI effects. I wonder will cheesy CGI effects ever attain the level of affection that cheesy practical effects have, do you think? I don't think so, because I feel like practical effects are very much like, it looks ridiculous, but somebody tried their best. Yeah, right. And for CGI, it's like, well, you just cheaped out. Yeah. It yeah. could have been better, but you didn't put enough money into it. Right, right. Sort of when you see um, the old Superman serial and then he turns into a cartoon when he flies, you're just like, well, pfft. Anybody could have done that. Like any studio would have done that. Like that's not interesting. I want I to see know, a I dummy flying. Right. <laughs> yeah. Where George Reeves superimposed on a, well, I guess a gray screen instead of a blue screen back then, or rear sure. projection. But um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Power Rangers of the movie. Yes, I uh, <laughs> very little memory. Yeah, it's okay. It, yeah. it it deserves to fade into forgettable cinema of yesteryear. But yeah. when I think of summer, that movie comes to mind pretty instantly. Yeah. Yeah. It evokes a. Strong childhood summer, a, a, a specific summer for you. Right, a very specific summer. summer. of 95? Summer of 95. Man, what a time. So I would have been nine, and I would have turned ten at the end of that year. So yeah, summer of 95. Yeah, true. Well, my first movie is one that I know you talked about, and you have we haven't seen it yet. I have it on Laserdisc, if you'd like to watch Ooh. it. It is 1979's Meatballs, which is Bill Murray's first starring role. Um, it's a in a Canadian camp comedy, and hmm. you sort of look at the cover, and it's Bill Murray, and he's flanked by bikini babes on both sides, and you think, ah, yes, I know this. This is the '80s boob summer camp comedy, and it actually isn't that so much. There is some like uh, teenage, uh, you know. Uh, sex. Uh, I don't want to say sex ex- escapades so much, but sort of sexually tinged in, in the way that you remember it was as a teenager, which is to say, n- not quite so explicit. Right. Um, I mean, there are things like uh, them trying to go like on a panty raid or something like that, and then the the girls find him out and beat the crap out of him for it. <laughs> you that know, seems like, right. like you should. Right. Whereas like an animal has at the same time, like a panty raid and they get away with it and meatballs. They try to do it and 
they and get their, their yeah they get their butts kicked for it. Um, so it's actually kind of I mean, there's some things that haven't aged well. I believe the F word is used to belittle someone, uh, and not the F U word, but oh, the I other see. one. Oh, the other one, yes, yeah, the other one, right. uh, which dates it a little bit, right? But I, I think that's easier to forgive. And ter- there was another one I originally had on my list, but I took off. But we'll talk about that later. But yeah, uh, but but there's a lot to love about Meatballs. There's a, it's there's not really so much of a singular plot. Okay. It's uh, very episodic. It's just uh, here's them um, goofing around on the canoes, and then here's a scene of them uh, at a basketball game at the rival camp, and they're losing so bad that they just say "eff it" and they pants everybody, and then they leave. <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, and then. And then there's this great scene where Bill Murray tries to give a pep talk for the end of the year obstacle course or whatever against the rival camp. And uh, he, his speech, his, his locker room speech is just, it doesn't matter. None of this matters. <laughs> and it's just, and it, which gives just such a great feel for the whole movie. It's like, it, it, sure, whatever. Right, like, yes. it's just fun. Right. So and there's and there's little moments too where like there's a a kid who's played by Chris Makepeace who was a sort of a popular-ish kid star at the time, and where he's kind of lonely, he doesn't really know how he fits in, and Bill Murray kind of takes him under his wing in the movie and you know listens to him and lets him have his space when he wants it, and that's it's kind of a neat. It, it's um it certainly was a progenitor of a lot of uh, tropes in people's minds as you watch it, right? But at the same time, it's not. And it's a lot of easy breezy fun, and uh, a little problematic at times. Sure, but it's late seventies, and if you can forgive that, you'll have a lot of fun. I, I like Meatballs a lot. It's a good movie. Yeah, there was one. It sounds I, like it. I mean, I, I yeah. say that having not seen it. Yeah, it's, it sounds interesting. Yeah, I would definitely. I definitely watch it now. There's one kind of related to this that I was had on my list originally, but then I took it off because I couldn't recommend it. That movie was the original '78 Bad News Bears. Yeah. Um, and I like that movie. I love it. I really do. But I can't in good conscience recommend it to anybody today. Okay. Because there's a lot of problematic material in that movie. Um, kids saying racial epithets for laughs. Um. Ah, yes. Yeah, it's not really a good sell today. Um, I can forgive it and look past it, but that doesn't mean that you should. Um. Yes. But Walter Matthau is really good in it, so you can gird your loins for some nastiness and you could like that. But but I couldn't. Meatballs is much better. Watch Meatballs. Anyway, excellent. That's my uh, that's my first one. I will add it to my list. There you go. There you go. Your second, sir. My second. Well, mm-hmm. I have a great segue here. Okay. <laughs> so there is a podcast that's out right now. There is more than one, believe it or not. It's not just the Geekiverse. What? There are other people making podcasts right that, now. The devil, you say. Strange but true. <laughs> okay. Strange but true. Uh, one is the uh, goofy goofy guy turned actor, uh, Dax Shepard. Oh, a, yeah. Has a podcast. Yeah, Christian Bell's husband. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it is called uh, Armchair Expert. Okay. Uh, and he interviews all sorts, of, all sorts of different people, mostly celebrities. Yeah. But he did a... He's got access to them. Exactly, right? Yeah. He did one where he was interviewing Zach Braff. And mm. and they talked about how much they enjoyed the the movie Weird Science. 
Okay. No, Revenge of the Nerds. Yes. Revenge of the Nerds. Yes. And uh, very problematic film. And they and they were talking about how much they love it. And as they, the more they talked about it, the more they kind of processed it in the world we live in. And they were like, huh, yeah, that's a very problematic movie. Yeah. And so they, yes. it, was, it was interesting listening to them talk about it, and like you can actually hear the wheels turning in in real time of them going, huh. "Oh, that sounds fascinating." It, it's interesting to, yeah. to, to listen to that. Like, oh, oh, they definitely couldn't make this again, and went, and they probably shouldn't even try. Yeah, and so it's yeah. very, uh, yeah, it's an interesting transition. And so that that's a good segue because, and I, and this is not one of the ones I told you about when we were doing our, our rundown ahead of time. Oh. I'm changing it up because I'm remembering things Surprise. I want to do really. Yes. Yeah. Is um this it, nostalgic and I feel bad about you making this nostalgic considering it is fairly recent, but the summer between my graduating of high school and my attending college, uh-huh. uh, one Mr. Zach Braff released a film yes. called Garden State. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And look and hindsight being what it is you can look back now i look back now and i can kind of grown yeah, yeah i've grown since then and i'm sure he has too but like looking back on it um uh, i loved it when it came out but it definitely has its problems storytelling wise it has its problems um with how some of the characters are used or underused in service of mm. the main character who is played by zach braff yeah but that being said it was a movie where you know at that time between high school and college you're kind of finding yourself mm-hmm. you're not sure you're not sure what adulthood looks like in, in comparison to the childhood you've been living. Yeah. And, uh, and so I saw that movie right before I went to college and it had, it hit me like a two by four in the head. And it was, mm. it was really, really fascinating. I, and it, both for the movie itself and the fact that, uh, Zach Braff wrote that when he was in college, he wrote the movie when he was in college. Huh. And then it, once he got scrubs at 23, he pitched it and pitched it and pitched it and pitched it. And finally found someone to fund it. That someone was Danny DeVito. Oh, put up a whole bunch of money to, to get that funded. Um, and then he made the movie. And I remember thinking like, as, as much as I enjoyed the movie itself, the story behind it of this, you know, young upstart kid who was seemed like he was taking the industry by storm just was really encouraging to me as, uh, as an adolescent transitioning into adulthood. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed that. And it came out in the summertime. So, and I, and I saw it multiple times in theaters, which I didn't have a lot of money at that point, but I still used a little, I had to see it in theaters multiple times. And uh, no, I, I appreciated it greatly at that point. Um, it doesn't hold the same water for me now, but it uh, it had some really yeah. interesting themes then. So it, yeah. it, I, I wonder, um, I have not revisited it since I watched it in college, but from everything I've heard, it sounds like it's a movie for a certain place in time in uh, a white boy's life. And Yeah, uh, no, it is. Yeah, yeah it's true. And uh and same thing. I I felt this way when I was watching Clerks because I watched Clerks way too late. Like I was almost thirty when I finally saw Clerks for the first time. Yeah, Clerks overwhelmed me. And I was just like, I should have watched this when I was nineteen. <laughs> That's, right. It would have made a much bigger impact on me then. Now I was just sort of like, man, these guys are a bunch of do nothing whiners. Right. <laughs> just go do something, man. Quit, quit whining about being at a convenience store. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm too old for it now, but. Uh, but yeah, that's yeah. So yeah. The, the 2004 film, written, directed by, and starring Zach Braff, Garden State. Garden State. Um, Shins change your life. Yeah, no, that soundtrack was all I listened to that summer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it did introduce me to the Shins, right. and because of that, I bought uh, that uh, their first album, the, the blue one. Oh yeah. Um, I don't remember the name. I, of I it. have it on vinyl. It's a remember. great album. Oh yeah, I listened to it multiple times. 
Right, and it was, and I had actually heard that song previously on Scrubs because ah, yes. because they were always asking the cast for um, music ideas to put in the episodes at that mm. point, and he and Zach Braff was like, "The Shins, The Shins, The Shins." <laughs> yeah. So, a lot of the, uh, not a lot of, a couple songs from Garden State were actually in Scrubs yeah. before they were in Garden State because he had he had that much clout uh, mm. already. Yeah. Well, my next one, Please. number two is one I know you and I both enjoy quite a bit. The Sandlot. Oh, The Sandlot. This was Lou's number one was The Sandlot. And rightfully so. It's a very good number it's one if you were going to place it as one. of a movie. It, I, I don't know if you want to start talking about it first if you want me to. By all means, Oh, for my it. gosh. there. I remember watching that movie... Um, I remember watching it a lot as, uh, as, as a kid and loving it. I think I think my mom was the one who introduced it to me. She was the one who was like, "This movie is great," and so she put, which is weird because usually uh, when your mom suggests movies, you don't listen, and uh, they usually don't hit you when you're a kid. Right. But this one did. Um, I feel like, for me, something quintessential, so something that makes a summer movie a summer movie, is um, a lack of a central plot. Okay. Uh, and I think the Sandlot nails it because that's the way summer feels when you're a kid. Yeah, just you're just kind of... bouncing around from activity to activity. Things happen, but yet at the same time, when the sun finally sets down, the day feels complete and that there's finality. Right. Even though there wasn't really a central thing that happened, there wasn't a big event that that um, took over the day. It's just we made a day of it. We did. We did stuff, and. I think the Sandlot nails that feeling and it's different vignettes. And um, I mean, there's so much quotable about it. Uh, the whole, you know, Wendy Peppercorn thing. Yes. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. Uh, the, the narration of it, the, the, the sort of wistful, nostalgic narration, uh, baseball on a dirt lot in the summertime. Um, my wife always says that the scene that just arrests her when she watches it, is the one where it, it takes place during Fourth of July and they're all having the cookouts and they're saying that's the one time they had the night, the night games, is they could play baseball by the light of the fireworks going off at the Fourth of July, while uh, Ray Charles sings. Um, what does he sing in that movie? Is it God Bless America? Uh, he, he sings one of the Ray Charles has a rendition. Oh, America the Beautiful. America the Beautiful. That's right. right. And. Uh, yeah, and he just you know, Ray Charles ripping it in the background while kids are playing baseball by fireworks, and that that like that just like puts a glint in Katie's eyes when she oh, watches sure. it. Um, and plus, there's a great throw up scene, which is one of my favorite things in movies, where there's a comedic vomit scene, and boy, is there a good one in the Sandlot. There is, but that's a very strange uh, fascination to have in film. I, they're so funny to me. <laughs> I love good vomit scenes, like. Um, like uh, Lardass and uh, Stand by Me, like it's yeah, just, I don't know for some reason like people like throwing up and it like begetting more vomit is just it just cracks me up. Just the escalation of of grossness. Yes. Um. Yeah. When they're on the tilt a whirl, they all chew tobacco and yes, just <laughs> everywhere. Now, th- uh, that's one laugh. of the few films where mm-hmm. sometimes I really like a film. Yeah. Or I'll have like you know have positive feelings toward a film, mm-hmm. and then it gets overly quoted it gets overly mm. revered and i find yeah. my, and i find myself going ugh 
Yeah. Like you're, and, you're killing me small. So right. it's kind of let reach that level. Right. You know, and it's in, not in terms of a quote. And it's not so much that like, Oh, it became popular. So I didn't like it anymore. Like, I hope it's not that, but I really, yeah. I do feel in a lot of ways it's, it's like people's casual, like a, a large casual fandom, took something away from that movie. It felt like yeah. it was mine. And now when it's everybody's, it doesn't yeah. feel as special anymore. And, and that's probably just yeah. hipster nonsense, but yeah. well, I mean, we all want to feel special. Sure. Yeah, of course. <laughs> we do. But the Sandlot's one of the movies that I feel like survives that. Yeah. In that, yes, you can buy, you can go right now to your local target and buy a shirt that says you're killing me smalls. Yeah. And it's, it's quotable in that respect, but there's so, that movie has so much more going on. Yeah. And so much more going for it. Yeah. Than, than somebody yelling, you're killing me, Smalls, or um, it belongs. You know, some some lady signed it, baby, baby Ruth. Yeah, right. and I mean, it, babe Ruth. Babe Ruth. I yeah. I, th- I think the reason for that is is that it's a this isn't just sort of an offhanded remark, like a like a like a weird reference that somehow became a meme. Right. It's relatable. Yes. You know, you you've been I mean, we've all been putzing around with our dumb friends, you know, yeah. like that's you, what you do. You, usually I'm you the dumb each friend. other. Right, yeah. 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 <laughs> right, right. No, no, no. Um but but uh, even then like even if like your killing me smalls has been done to death, like there's still so many quotes in that movie oh, that there don't is. like I mean my favorite is when they're telling the story about the the big dog um what Hercules? Yeah, Hercules. Hercules and he just says forever forever <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's something i think about often and laugh i haven't um, seen that movie in years but i yeah i have such fond memories of it i definitely need to go back and revisit it's it, it sits in your brain as soon as soon as you've seen it it's, it sits in your brain but but yeah the sandlot that's the fourth Great movie pick. i'm talking about Great there pick. you got anything else to add or would you like to move on to your third one i would like to never move on from the sandlot because heaven <laughs> help me what a film yes um, it's so much fun i will i will pick and you'll have to help me out nate because i don't remember the year this film was released okay i'll do my best um it's flight <laughs> of the navigator okay 86 86 okay yeah. this was a i believe this was disney yep it was. okay it was a disney mm-hmm. film um for those of you who haven't seen it it centers on a 12, 13-year-old boy. Yeah, something like that. From the 70s. Yeah. And he's essentially, he's uh, playing ball in the woods or something and falls and hits his head. He wakes up, he goes home, and he finds out that, um, I believe it's like 13 years have passed. Something like that. Something, yeah. yeah. Where, where now he's in 1985. Yeah, now he's in 1985. And because yeah. they ask him at one point, I remember one scene that they ask him like, you know, questions to make sure he's cognitively okay yeah. and they're like who's the president and he goes oh, jimmy carter yeah jimmy carter yeah and it's clearly at that point not jimmy carter anymore yeah right right um but no that was it's such a i like sci-fi i like i'm not big on like post-apocalyptic the stakes are the fate of humanity yeah blah 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 i like goofy low stakes fun sci-fi and this yeah. is definitely that Oh yeah, well, it doesn't get any goofier than having Paul Rubens voice the robot. Paul Rubens <laughs> plays this like sentient spaceship, and in it you find a very, very young Sarah Jessica Parker, like nineteen-year-old oh, Sarah yeah, Jessica she's Parker. She's in that movie. She's in it. Just, and, just post Square Pegs. Yes, and yeah. she, she, uh, the main character Kevin, I believe his character's name is. He mm-hmm, asks mm-hmm. for a coke, and she asks if he would like. And just in, in an effort for the movie to point out everything that's changed, he goes, would you like regular Coke, Diet Coke, New Coke? Yeah. And, and like lists all these different things. And then she 
uh, in an effort to also make him feel uncomfortable in the yeah. era he's in, references how much she loves Twisted Sister. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, I don't, yeah. And he's just like, I don't know what to do with you yeah. or this or anything that's going and, on. And it's either. weird to see a child being put in that situation because usually when you do sort of like a man out of time or woman out of time, it is a fully grown adult who does yes. this. You're Steve Rogers, Captain America's. You know, it's very rare that you do it with a kid. Right. And that's very interesting and more traumatizing, really. Yeah. And, and there's yeah. plenty of parts in the movie where he's just, he's scared. He's yeah. crying. He, he's crying. He's running. He's running away because they're like, because NASA wants to like hook electrodes to his brain and see like what's different about him. Yeah. And, uh, and so he breaks out of there. Because he finds it, he, he he goes back to his family, and his brother's aged, and he hasn't. Right. His so young, now his younger brother is older than him. Right. His, his obnoxious what a younger mind brother. f. You know, yeah, like for sure. Yeah. But and it's such a, and the stakes are, I mean the the main thing is he he finds this this uh, spaceship, yeah. voiced by Paul Rubin, and it is, I think I can get you back to the seventies where you belong, mm-hmm. but there's a very good chance that you won't make it and you'll be liquefied or vaporized or something. Oh, jeez. So it's like, I can... I don't you can, remember that being part of the movie. <laughs> yeah, you can you can hang out here in, in the 80s yeah. in a man-out-of-time scenario where you're going to be never be left alone the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Or we can make an attempt to get you back to where you belong, but it will probably kill you. Mm-hmm. It's a Disney film, so I'm sure you can yeah. write the ending from here. Right, yes. But it's uh, it's such a fun movie at one point. And it's a little goofy in that there's one point where there, uh, he, the kid tells the spaceship, put on some music, and he tries a bunch of different kinds of music, and he lands on I Get Around by the Beach Boys, and the kid's like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is music, <laughs> and I'm thinking, you're a child in the 70s. Yeah. This would have been 10 years old and a little square for you at that point. Yeah, right. Why is this? And it was clearly just because they had the rights to it, and they were, and, and, yeah. and, the, and the producers were like, this is a, an upbeat tune that people know. And and mm-hmm. it you know it offends no one, but right. uh, but yeah that was a, that always struck me odd. Even though I adore that song, it's one of my favorites. Oh yeah, for sure, it's a good Beach Boys jam. But, uh, but I, and I, again, I haven't seen it in years. But I I hear summertime and I think of of this movie and it because this had some pretty good CGI actually. Yeah, it did very early CGI, a very early use of like reflective CGI. Mm-hmm. I mean. To their credit, I think they made a very wise decision and only used it for stationary objects. Right. So a spaceship is right. basically all the CGI they used, but they knew the strengths of the medium at the time. Right. And they used they, it. They to didn't their overdid advantage. it. No, they, they, they did didn't it just, overdo it. They did right. it just enough to get you to suspend disbelief and be like, "Holy cow, this kid's in a spaceship." Yeah. Right. How cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that was it. And man, I had I had such a blast watching it. My it was actually. My parents never recommended movies very often, but that was one that my dad recommended. He goes, we got mm. to see this. And I watched it, and I still have such fond memories of that movie. Mm. I want to see that one again. That would be a fun Laserdisc movie. Oh, my goodness, yes. If you That'd can find it on Laserdisc, LaserDisc I will, whatever it costs, I will buy it for you. <laughs> and they will have a viewing party. Oh, man. Meatballs and Flight of the Navigator. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. What a great double feature. Oh, man. Oh, I just sounds incredible. all of these all day long. All right, Nathan- well, Nathaniel Warren Lockhart, Esquire. My, num- my number three, Esquire. Please. I'm a lawyer. Yes. Uh, um, my number three is one that when I listed these movies, I, I mentioned it, and you were just like, that's perfect. This movie being, of course, a goofy movie. What a perfect summer movie. It's so good. It's it's a summer road trip movie starring Goofy and his son, Max. Oh, man, I can still see And it's songs. a great musical. 
Yeah. I haven't seen that movie in a decade. Yeah. You could wake me up out of a sound sleep right now and I could sing you every song from that movie because off the top of my head. after today my brains will be snoozing. After no more today she'll be mine. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, my yeah. goodness gracious. That's such a good movie. Oh, excellent choice. We, we, we um, just drove back from seeing family in West Virginia and on the way back I was driving back it was you know my family uh, me Katie and Teddy and my sister Maggie they were driving back and we were like yeah what should we listen to you know Teddy doesn't isn't really watching what's on the screen she he's busy doing something else she'll listen to some music what should we listen to and they're like goofy movie <laughs> we put on that soundtrack and just had a blast because all those songs are great they're memorable mm-hmm. the plot is uh, it's there's not I can't think of a lot of heartwarming father son movies that are that that are as effective right. as a goofy movie I think that's the key, the caveat is effective um, yeah because there's probably a lot of bad ones but I don't there is know, I, yeah. I, one a bad one comes to mind actually yeah um, it was another 90s movie it was um um Jonathan Taylor Thomas and Chevy Chase in uh, Man of the House. Ew. And it was like he was going to be the stepdad to this yeah. to this precocious kid who would like cause trouble, and he's trying to like bond with him, and yeah. it just the whole movie just stunk. I mean, I believe Jonathan Taylor Thomas, right? But I could never believe Chevy Chase is a lovable dad. No, no, <laughs> I, I I believe Chevy Chase, you know, would be yeah. would be the antagonist in any movie yeah. because I I think he's a jerk. Yeah, but I, I think that's what makes it work is that Goofy is um, impossible to hate as a dad. Um, you can only look at him and smile lovingly, you know, at him trying to take pictures at the mall, which is, which is his job with which he can afford a house with, which, oh, oh man. man, the 90s, we miss you. Um, and uh, But uh, him just sort of having no sense of irony and Max being nothing but irony. And the yes. two, and those things playing off each other, the whole movie is so good and so relatable mm-hmm. if you were ever a surly teen. Yes. The goofy movie a goofy movie should speak to you. It it is a movie where there are jokes that build and there yeah. are one liners. Yes. One of my favorite yeah. one liners is um, Goofy has to reach out of the car for something. I don't remember what he's yeah. reaching out of the car. Just kind of like using his toes to kind of like anchor him in as he reaches out of the car and he goes, Max, take the wheel and he goes, I'm not old enough to drive and Goofy says, don't worry, this car's old enough to drive itself. <laughs> and I remember as a kid being like, that's so funny. Oh, man. But, yeah, and I mean, and as a kid, you watch that movie and you're like, oh, Goofy, you know, he means well, but he just keeps getting in Max's way. If he would just yeah, get out of the right. way, Max could be happy. And going back and thinking about it as an adult. Watching it as an adult, I'll w- tell you. Watching like, it as an adult, yeah, yeah. He's like, he's worried about his, that his kid's going down a bad path and he's going to force uh, good bonding on him for, for his literally for his own good. I I yeah. I've I have two children, yeah. and I and I'm watching movies now with a par- with a parental perspective, and I'm going, of course, Goofy is forcing himself on his son. Right. Any, any good dad would. Yeah, right. Yeah, and and I think that's the thing too is is, is Goofy is not uh, like the emotional moments really hit, you know. Max really does betray his dad's plans. Sure, he does, and he really hurts his feelings, and you feel it. Yeah, the way when when Goofy realizes, you know, that uh, his his he, son altered the plans, altered the map. Yeah, he, that he and the look he, he, on his face just all of a sudden he's he's angry, he's disappointed, 
he's he's hurt hurt, and you feel all of it all at once and and it's a sinking sinking moment them getting uh i don't want to say getting back together getting um what's the word i'm looking for reunited reunited uh well them just sort of making up like at the end reconciling reconciling thank you them reconciling at the end is made just all the sweeter because they really put you through the work to, to to earn that ending and think, the Powerline concert. Yes, of course. <laughs> I think about the, this movie sometimes because I think about this is this was not Disney's top tier people working on this movie. This no, was, it wasn't. This was not. It was Disney Tune Studios. Yeah, and so this was not the mm-hmm. people who were working on, um, the, you know, there's, there's that story that like Disney's A team was working on Pocahontas and they sent their B team to work on a little crappy side project called The Lion King. Yeah. So <laughs> right, and that that obviously turned out differently than they everyone expected, yeah. but. This was not even the crappy B team. This was just like the third or fourth rate guys working by themselves in, in Disney Toon Studios. And, but I I rarely see a movie that effectively grabs me emotionally as strongly and as effectively as a Goofy movie. Mm-hmm. Which is just... There's some movies with, with a lot better caliber writers, directors, talent in mm-hmm. the acting or voice acting roles and... The Goofy movie just is a tough act to beat in that capacity. Mm-hmm. It's a, it deserves more praise than it gets. Right. I, I feel like even today it's still sort of left to the wayside. And when you do bring it up, people are like, oh, yeah, that movie. Uh, but for me, I mean, now that I'm even thinking about talking about it, it might be in my top five Disney movies. And it deserves a better sequel than it got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not that great. An extremely it's Goofy fine. movie is... Is not a great film. No, it's it's. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> I it, it's a fine way to burn an afternoon, it but is. you won't remember it. Um, there's a lot of disco in it for some reason that I remember. Hmm. But yeah, watch a goofy movie. It's it, um. Oh, one more thing about a goofy movie that's great. Yeah, uh, the hotel scene when they stop at the hotel and there's the waterbed. Yes, <laughs> which is just and there's like the fuzzy carpet. They nail that like going to like a weird roadside motel. They mm-hmm. nail the feeling perfectly. That's exactly what it's like when you go in there and you're watching TV and you order pizza from some strange place. Right, and you're on fuzzy carpet. You, I, it's nothing remarkable. There's nothing stand out, I guess per se, except that it just evokes. That feeling so well, um, yeah. Watch a goofy movie. It's when we go so to the good. Midwest Gaming Classic next year, can yes. we stay in a crappy motel and order pizza from a random place <laughs> and just have a road trip experience? Yeah, just have the road trip. Absolutely, we All will do right. that. We could, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know Seth on Friday wants to go to like a Star Wars celebration holiday, which uh, I know you're a Trek man, I and I also don't want to spend seventy five dollars, but I'm willing for him to, to go do that. Yes, so we can go just do whatever. Oh man, we well, can spend a lot less and have a lot more fun. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> Although uh, Seth, I'm very happy. For for you if that's what you choose to do we support you we support you and we love you no matter what yep we support your choice uh, but and i hope you have lots of fun doing that um but yeah so that's a goofy movie that's my third one and i think now would be an opportune time for us to take a quick break uh decide how we want to wrap up and get a drink of water or whatever and uh yeah so we'll see you in a little bit
It's their rules. What kind of omelet is that? Popcorn. It's that simple. Christopher Lloyd, Camp Nowhere, rated PG. Starts Friday, August 26th. When you're just growing up, every day is a new discovery. But nothing David Freeman has ever experienced will prepare him for the adventure that lies ahead. Sit down. I think there's been some sort of mistake. Your brain contains data necessary to get me and my friends home. I'm just a kid. You are the navigator. Walt Disney Pictures presents a new adventure fantasy. What are you doing? Above and beyond the ordinary. Take me back! Okay. Of the navigator. Do something! You're the navigator, not me. 20,000 feet and falling. Come on, one of these hasn't started. His mind is the key to an adventure on the most fantastic hot rod in the universe. A story of a spaceship. That flying saucer's first rate. Be cool, dudes. A friendship. I'm gonna miss you. I'm going to miss you too. And an experience beyond imagination. Don't you want to take a turnpike? I'm the Navigator. Flight of the Navigator. Disney's new adventure fantasy. I cannot live another day without air conditioning. Says tomorrow's gonna be hotter. Hotter? Like yesterday. Yesterday? Yesterday you said you'd call Sears. I'll call today. You call now. I'll call now. Now's the best time to save big on a Sears-installed central air conditioner. Because right now you can get this special offer of 0% financing and no payments for 90 days available through a Sears credit account. So give Sears a call, and we'll come by to give you a free in-home estimate on an energy-efficient Kenmore air conditioning system that's just right for your home. And if you can't wait to cool down, Sears also offers fast emergency installation. And of course, you'll always get our satisfaction guarantee. So Sears will be there to back your new system up. Don't forget, you'll get 0% financing and no payments for 90 days. So call today and save with Sears. So what's the paper say about tomorrow? Another scorcher. Cool. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the break. I'm going to try to get this done as quickly as possible because I noticed that these mid-roll ads that I've been doing have been getting longer and longer, so I'm going to get right to the point and tell you the awesome stuff that you can find at the Geekiverse. Of course, you can go to thegeekiverse.com. The reason, the raison d'etre of this podcast is to bring to light the awesome ranked series of articles that have been going on, headed up, spearheaded by Lou, but written by many people on thegeekiverse.com. It comes out every Friday, different pop culture ranking. That's at thegeekiverse.com. You can read lots of great articles there. Of course, there's other stuff going on with the Geekiverse. There's, of course, the Stalwart YouTube channel, which is coming up with new stuff all the time. There's, of course, the SoundCloud page uh, on It's a Thing Media. Of course, you can also find uh, the, the audio outputs on uh, the Geekiverse's uh, iTunes page and all that kind of stuff. And you can see other great podcasts, like uh, listen to girl, uh, other, other great podcasts like Girls Who Geek, um, Walking Carpet, uh, Geek's Got Game. The spoiler casts, all sorts of great stuff, and of course the Memory Machine, which you're listening to right now. Of course, you can also check out the Patreon. The Patreon is very important because it helps us keep the lights on. So if you like what we do, if you like one iota of what we do, I encourage you strongly 
to go on to patreon.com slash thegeekiverse and throw a few shekels our way. Every little bit helps. Every little bit keeps this little train of chugging along. Uh, you also will get things for donating to the Geekverse. Donating, contributing, don't know what the proper word is. But you will uh, get little rewards, things like vlogs, um, uh, extra little articles, tidbits, behind-the-scenes information, things like that. So check out all that great stuff that thegeekverse.com is bringing to you. Anyways, let's wrap this thing up and get back to the show. is a creature alive today who has survived millions of years of evolution without change, without passion, and without logic. It lives to kill. The mindless eating machine. It will attack and devour anything. It is as if God created the devil and gave him jaws. Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw, Richard Dreyfus. You're gonna need a bigger boat. From the best-selling novel, Jaws, rated PG, maybe too intense for younger children. Hey everybody, we're back after getting a little bit of a break. Talked some things over. Talked about something we're going to do here and uh, finish up. But uh, before we get into that, let's talk about our fourth movies. Mr. Andy Parks, what have you got All right, for our penultimate film? Fourth movie. I am going to share the, the... This is more down the middle, less obscure, less wacky. Mm-hmm. Everyone will probably at least appreciate this a little bit. It's Back to the Future. Mm. The original mm-hmm. 1985 Back to the Future. Very summery blockbustery movie. It's it doesn't necessarily take place in the summer. In fact, it absolutely takes place during the school year because there's the Enchantment Under the Sea dance that's happening. Yeah, um, it's how, on the cusp of summer. It is. It's like approaching summer. Yeah. But I saw this in the summertime, um, and it is just it's a blockbuster that had some effects to it. It feels very mm-hmm. much... I don't even know what time of the year it was released, but it feels like a summer blockbuster to me. Yeah. And it's just... It's fun. There are stakes, but at the same time, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, that score is incredible. Like, that Back to the Future theme, there are oh, still... Yeah. There are nights... Alan Silvestri, I yeah. think is what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, there are still nights where I wake up in the out of a sound sleep, just humming that theme because it's yeah, it's great. When I I was a kid, there was this is where my parents bought a a van, not a minivan, it was a full size van they bought, (laughs) and uh, because they wanted to go camping and to pull a trailer, whatever, it doesn't matter. But when they they bought this this Ford 1995 Ford, um, I remember what it was called. It was just a giant tuna can, big ass van. (laughs) Ford Uh, tuna can. Yes, Ford tuna can. Yeah, it actually, I think it was. It's silver letters in the back. It said Ford, big ass van. Um, (laughs) However, it was. 
in it, it, it with that van came a CD mm. of random like twelve completely disjointed random songs mm. to to demonstrate how great the speakers in this thing were. They oh. were not great. It didn't matter. But one of the songs on the CD was the theme from Back to the Future. Nice. And I remember thinking like. They they picked the right vehicle, yeah, <laughs> because it came with this CD that I liked. Because this van feels like a spaceship. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, Back to the Future is just Michael J. Fox does a great job with this. Um, Christopher Lloyd is incredible, and I had known him. I knew him first as a uh, as a Klingon in some of the the Shatner Star Trek movies, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in this, obviously, this is his iconic role. Yeah. This is how it, I like it's, to see it's, most. it's the one most people are introduced to him right. as, yeah. Most yes. people are introduced to him through Back to the Future, not Star Trek Three. Well, you weirdo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> most people didn't have the interest I did, but yeah. no, I, I I love this film. It's it's fun. I mean, it's one of those films that it's fun. It's exciting. You don't want to think too hard about it because the whole. Um, the time travel thing can get a little heady. The whole uh, his mom was hitting on him thing is yeah. a, is a little uncomfortable. Intentionally so. Intentionally so. Yeah, yeah. I, it, I, I don't. I don't think it's something like it's not a problematic thing where it wasn't a problem then and it is now. Right. No, it was a problem. Then it was too. a problem. Then. Yeah. Never, <laughs> yeah. Rightfully yeah. so. Yeah. But it's it's such a a light fun summer movie that I could I could mm. watch any time. But I it feels to me like a warm summer evening. Yeah. Um, when I. When I see the you know Doc and Marty in that uh, mall parking lot with a J.C. Penny behind them, yes, testing out the DeLorean, it just it yeah. feels like summer. Yeah, and I uh, I can't get enough of that. Uh, that that whole franchise is good. Say what you will about two and three. Yeah, I, I'm not even gonna say don't at me, please at me. Yeah, because I'll defend those sequels and that franchise, uh, assuming they don't make any more, and they shouldn't. No, they shouldn't. No, I I don't know if you could. I mean, it gets so convoluted by the end of it. That... Right. It'll give you a headache trying to insert anything I, more into that. I was thinking about time travel movies and TV shows recently, and I just I'm thinking about like the different movies takes on uh, on time travel. Like, oh, there's the Back to the Future premise where you can go back and alter what's going yeah. to happen and change your present. Mm-hmm. And then there's the time travel that happened in the show Lost, where everything that happened happened. You can change things, but the universe will course correct to put it back the way it was. Hmm. That you really can't substantively change anything. Yeah. And then there's a whole bunch of different sci-fi, uh, science fiction literature and shows and movies that, that all have different ideas about it. I was just thinking if I were to write uh, some level of time travel story, which set of rules would I live by? Yeah. Mm. And it's, uh, it's it's fascinating to think about. And uh, no, I just I adore this movie, and, and this movie makes me just want to uh, pour myself a tall glass of lemonade and and yeah. and and, uh, and sit back and enjoy. While crickets are uh, going in the background, you have the windows open, so yes. you can hear the outside sounds. Yeah, it's such a good yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. I will say that Back to the Future is one of the best experiences I had in the theater. Now, of course, I did not see it when it came out, 1985. Right. I was not yet. Uh, alive. All right. Um, I was born in 87. Uh, but I did get to see it. I got to see a beautiful 35 millimeter print at the Dryden Theater in beautiful Rochester, New York. A drive-in is the perfect setting well, to it, see that The Dryden. Oh, the Dryden. The Dry it wasn't theater. a drive-in. It was not a drive-in. It, oh. You're right. It is a perfect drive-in movie, <laughs> but that's not where it was. That's not where you <laughs> saw it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, the, the Dryden, named after a guy. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I saw it there. Uh, it must have been five or six years ago, and 
it is the best movie going experience I've ever had. Mm-hmm. At the very end, which spoiler it for this thirty plus year old movie, um, when Crispin Glover's character finally punches Biff out, mm-hmm. there was an eruption of applause right. that happened. Like people like stood up and cheered when that happened, and it and the movie had built up so well, and the feeling had been so palpable throughout the audience that when it hit that crescendo, mm-hmm. at, like every, it was like, yes! And it was, I've never had a more um, visceral audience, I've never experienced a more visceral audience reaction in a movie since then, before or since. That's uh, great. Back to the Future, great, great movie, and I want to watch it now. Let's stop the podcast. We'll watch it. Yes, we'll yeah. stop right now. We'll watch. We'll come back. We're filming yeah. this at the moment. It is 1040 at night. And yeah. we will stop. We will watch this movie and we'll come back. To That's it. right. Mm-hmm. Um, Who cares about work tomorrow? It's no, fine. No, work tomorrow's for suckers. Yeah, I'll zombie through it. Exactly. Yeah. No, there was one other thing I wanted to say about this movie. And it was, um, you're going to have to edit this out because I don't, I'm having a little bit of a brain a brain lapse here. That's all right. It was just the... Uh, it's a freewheeling podcast today. It's a freewheeling. Pew, pew. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even write a Google Doc for this one. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sinner. Um, <laughs> no, um, I got to experience this movie in a very specific setting once, okay. and it, it made my day. For a very brief period of time, I lived in a small coal mining town in Pennsylvania. Yes. In fact, I mm-hmm. lived in the servants' quarters of an old coal baron's mansion. <laughs> um, they said that you could, you, could rent the, uh, you could live in the apartment that was converted out of the ballroom. Okay. Um, and that was seven fifty a month for an apartment. Uh, or I could live up in the servants' quarters in this big three-story house that had no elevator. Um, yeah. That was five fifty a month. Uh, and I said I could use the exercise, and I could use two hundred extra dollars a month. Mm-hmm. So I will take the cheaper one, please, and thank you. Mm-hmm. So we lived in the servants' quarters, but right, oh geez, less than a hundred yards from from where I lived, there was a movie theater, and it was not just any theater; it was an old vaudeville theater. That, that had yes, been, I remember that when yes. I came to visit you there. Right, mm-hmm. and it was had converted into obviously a movie theater because you know it was the you know two two thousand ten to two thousand twelve I lived there. Yeah, and it was I remember Mega Mind was playing there when Mega I came Mind. to visit. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> to, we, to put to put a place and time to it. We saw uh, what did I see? I saw um, Toy Story three there. I saw yeah. Inception there. I saw yeah. Your Highness. The stoner comedy with um, oh yeah Danny McBride yeah. and Natalie wow, Portman and Zoe Deschanel. Natalie Portman for some reason for whatever reason yeah. that I, I I think I walked out yeah. <laughs> that one because I was just like this is too much yeah but anyway they they had movies playing at that theater Friday Saturday and Sunday nights mm-hmm. however the other four nights a week they weren't doing anything mm-hmm. but they had a policy if you wanted to rent out the theater. You could do so for, I believe it was 40 bucks. That's it? That's it. 40 bucks. Wow. You could do, they would play any movie you wanted. You could hook your video game system up to it and you could just use it like a video, like a video game uh, party. You could bring your, you could bring your own food if you wanted to. So you could bring like pizza and wings and subs and Chinese food or whatever you wanted. It was amazing. And so, uh, I, I paid the funds. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, it's really, I mean, because I, I was thinking I could really bring the price down to pretty much nothing if I, the more people I got. Yeah. And I didn't get a very big group. I think I got like six or seven people. Eh. But I rented out this old vaudeville theater in Pine mm. Grove, Pennsylvania, and I watched mm. Back to the Future with my friends. Wow. Holy smokes, will I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> because I adored that. That was so much fun. Wow, what a special memory. I like, like that's, that. That is, that is not often that you 
get to do something like that. Like, that's, and and that's how often amazing. can you say, oh, yeah, I rented out the vaudeville theater to do what yeah. I mean, it was just, yeah, man, yeah, I, I, I so enjoyed that theater, especially because I mean, and it was that the tickets cost next to nothing. The concessions yeah. cost next to nothing. I have yeah. no idea how that place stayed in business with the lights on. Yeah. I think Pine that, Grove, PA. I think that yeah. the owners ran it at a deficit and just kept it open because people would be up in arms if it wasn't. Yeah. Um, but it, it was... It was open merely as a public good. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it was It was open as a public service. And yeah. Man Alive was that a fun place to go see a movie. But yeah, that's where I saw... I, I, not one of the many places I've seen Back to the Future, but probably my favorite. Wow. That's awesome. I enjoyed that. I never got to see the interior of that theater when. Oh when my there, goodness but, gracious! But that would have been cool. I they, love old vaudeville theaters. Well, they had the like upstairs. That. that was the actual theater, and downstairs was like the the basement of the theater. They converted that into a second screen. Oh, so you could see movies down there okay, too. Okay, cool. But like it was, it was the the screen down there. But there was also like three strategically placed dehumidifiers uh-huh, around uh-huh, the because uh-huh. it was it was a yes. basement. Yes, of and course. It, everything was kind yes. of haphazardly thrown together, and it it was. Yeah. It was terrible and and wonderful at the same time. Yeah. Uh huh. That, that, that probably would have been the lounge beforehand, right? I, I would imagine. Yeah, so, it would yes. have been the lounge. That's the way it is at the little theater in Rochester. The basement's still the lounge, and they just paint an annex for additional screens. But uh, that's awesome. That's I love awesome. it. I'm jealous of that experience, even though mine was also very good for Back to the Future. Oh, sure. Um, All right, Nate. What is your fourth? My fourth is uh, uh, I have not seen this in a long time, so I'm not going to have a lot to say. Uh, apologies. But my fourth is Dazed and Confused. I've never seen it. Another uh, episodic summer movie. You, can you sense a pattern? Mm-hmm. Um, about the 1970s, which for me is a very summery decade. I don't know why. Yeah, okay. Does that make sense to you? It does. Like it's. I buy that. I, I, I don't know. I, I really associate media from that decade as being very summery. I'm not sure why I feel that way, but I do. Um, there's something about the sunniness of the general pop culture that was coming out at the time. Like the very colorful... Uh, it, it was In terms of art, it was very colorful. Right. Pop art. Very colorful time and i guess that's why i think of it as summary even though really as a decade in terms of the public it was not very sunny um, right no, of course <laughs> it was it was um uh i, I believe heard it often referred to as a decade of malaise mm. um in america yes <laughs> and uh there's a great oh my goodness there is a, a wonderful tv series on netflix called f is for family and it nails this juxtaposition of the sunny surface pop culture of the 70s with the gritty nastiness of the seventies at the same time, like, like Korean war vets and Vietnam war vets who don't really have the same honor or (laughs) bestowed upon them as world war two vets Mm. and them not understanding their kids at all and living through an unpopular war Mm. and an unpopular president. Mm. And yeah, it's uh, interesting. Yeah. So it probably shows side by side, um, President Nixon, Watergate, Vietnam, alongside the Partridge family. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. and I can imagine that being stark. Yeah, right. Yeah, that or um, or they they have like a a Kojakish type show on there, and just like showing like how you know the bad guy always like even though it's Kaiser Brise, it's like is sort of a a cut a tough cop. You know, the good guy always wins and the bad guy always loses. It's, right. It's 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 a 
it's a barely dressed up old cowboy tale, you know. But, um, but that just a, but but anyway, but yeah, there's something about um, the music in Days to Confused uh, is very summery, you know, "Slow Ride" by Foghat. Yeah, it's featured prominently in the soundtrack. Going to parties. Um, it even though it is set in the seventies and it's a period I obviously did not live through. Um. It does kind of remind me of hanging out with some with friends as teenagers, you know, like my senior year of high school, just going to people's houses and just hanging out. Uh, college is already a foregone conclusion, so there's nothing to prepare for anymore. Your SATs are done. Who cares? <laughs> like, it's all just gravy from here until college starts. And I, from what I remember, because it's been a long, it's been too long since I've seen this movie. Um, that movie really evokes that spirit well. Days to confuse just the, the the funness of a of a carefree summer. Um, I've not had the privilege of seeing it. I, I hear it's quite good. It's a good know. movie. It's only just, ninety minutes long. It's an easy watch. Yeah, it's one of those that like Matthew everyone, McConaughey is in it. Matthew McConaughey is in it as a dirtbag. All right, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Yeah, I I, I, I shorted you two. All right, so I understand. I shorted you two. Yeah, yeah. And I it's one of those ones that I, I think everyone's assumed that I've seen, and so I just haven't. And, Oh, it's it's an like easy to. watch. It's, I'm like telling to. you, it's only an hour and a half long. It's it's a it's a very breezy watch. It's, it's very very fun. Uh, but yeah, that's all I have to say about it because I, I like I said, we didn't really prepare much. This is just sort of a fun freewheeling show. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that's fourth. All right. You want to go on to number one? No, yeah. Well, not number one because well, we're going to rank these we, separately. We'll rank them later. But we'll rank them separately. But, but I know you had an honorable mention. I do have an honorable mention to bring for us. So please. Yes, I won't spend a lot of time on this because I okay. feel like I am an isolated incident here. Yeah. Um. But my honorable mention would be the film Star Trek First Contact. <laughs> so it came out in 1996. Uh-huh. And there's a few movies. I think almost every movie that I've uh, I've brought up thus far, I've said, well, I really enjoyed it. It has an emotional place in my heart. Um, but in retrospect, it doesn't age well. It doesn't hold up. It's problematic. Blah, blah, blah. This movie holds up. Yeah. This movie is fun. It is. It has enough Trek for the nerds. It has enough action and adventure for people who just want a good fun summer movie Mm. um i I believe it came out in november of 96 if memory serves and that doesn't even matter i just i I saw it in the summer and i liked it it's just it's a fun sci-fi action movie that i watched with my dad and i it's one of the few star trek movies that that's good without any caveats put on it it's not good mm. for a star trek movie it's not mm. good mm. in light of what they did previously or afterwards yeah um it's a i think it's a good movie and mm. i enjoy it but that's my honorable mention i won't spend any more time on that that is uh one i still haven't seen i know you gave me your old uh, vhs copy of it to watch yes. it's sitting right there on the shelf still uh, it. because i had my own vhs copy and now i have a vhs copy of it a dvd copy of it and a blu-ray copy of it well, now we got to get you a beta copy, a laser oh. disc, and an eight millimeter film. And Don't tease yeah. me now. If you can find that thing on eight millimeter, I will, I will be a very happy man. I, I believe that was far after its time when first con when first contact came yeah, out. Yeah, ninety six. But yeah, I don't know. We could probably find you a thirty five millimeter trailer for it. There you go. There you go. Um, um, yeah, but, but, the, yeah. but the, the pick I do actually have is a movie that okay. I I don't even go. know that it got a theatrical release. But it was the, ah yes, I'm yes, excited. The I'm excited. the cartoon classic Tiny Toon Adventures: How I Spent My Summer Vacation. Beautiful film. Oh my god, <laughs> I love it. There was a period of my childhood where my yeah. parents will attest I watched exactly two movies on repeat. Uh-huh. 
it was Tiny Toon Adventure Time Spent Summer Vacation and The Wizard of Oz. Those were the two movies that played on a perpetual loop in my house. Yes. To the point that I think my parents know the dialogue for every movie by heart. Mm. Uh, or every every line from both movies by heart. Yeah. And it's a, it's a fun movie. It is It is episodic. It's just got a couple four or five different plot lines running at the same time. They don't really yeah. have much of anything to do with each other. They even make a joke about it towards the end yeah. of the movie about trying to balance all those plots. Right. Um, at one point it, uh, toward the movie, like they need to get the characters from one spot to another. So they get thrown off of something into a hole and they're like, and it's, it's labeled plot hole. Yeah. Oh, plot hole. Oh, isn't that convenient? <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's filled with like, I love a good meta reference. I like yeah. self-referential comedy. Yeah. And so Tiny Toons is trying to be an old Looney Tunes cartoon while at the same time very, very much staring down its audience and saying, isn't this ridiculous what we're doing? Yeah, right. Man, yeah. I, there's, I'm trying to, let me think of the plot. There's, there's Buster and Babs Bunny uh, are lost downriver. Uh-huh. There's Hampton and Plucky go to Happy World Land. Yes. There is... Um, Shirley the skunk tries to get Johnny Pugh's attention. Fifi La Fume. Fifi La Fume, yes. Shirley the loon. Sh- Shirley the loon is the yeah. duck, obviously. Yeah. Uh, tries to get, uh, yeah. It's, it's get, forced uh, to be with foul mouth yeah, for fa- too yes. long. That was the, uh, that was the yeah. other, another subplot. Yeah. Uh, was uh, Fifi La Fume and, uh, no. Uh, oh, what was the uh, name? Shirley the loon. Shirley the loon, Shirley yes. The loon. Was, was being uh, by, uh, courted mm-hmm. by foul mouth, and that was bad. Um, then there was um, Elmira trying to find her uh, jungle oh, cat. Yeah, that 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 that's that's what it was, at some point what we'll have to do is is rank the plots of rank the plots uh, yeah. of that movie. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's a whole other podcast. I think that was the bottom for me. That I didn't care at all about. Yeah, that. she was an obnoxious character. I, I kind of yeah. hoped a rock would fall on her. We yeah, never right. have to see her again. Yeah. Um, but no, that movie is just so it's so light. It's so. Yeah. I mean, some movies you sit down, but it's so funny. Yeah. Well, some it's movies so is like funny. In, it, I compare it to a meal. Yeah. Some of them you sit down and you got to be ready. Yeah. You you gotta you gotta put the bib on. You gotta have an appetite. You gotta have your steak knife ready. And and, and th- yeah. th- this, this this some movies are a meal. Yeah. This movie is the cinematic equivalent of a big tub of popcorn. Yeah. It's so light. It's yeah. so fluffy. It's so nothing. Yeah. And it's hilarious. It's so funny. Everything about the plot with Plucky uh, going on that awful, awful road trip with Hampton and his family. Yes. Uh, what is it? Mayonnaise and something oh, sandwiches. It's, uh, mayonnaise with, and cream cheese sandwiches, sandwiches with, with a the crust, crust cut off. off. Yeah, and it's just like the gross. Like, and it's so well animated. TMS did all the animation for this. Yeah, which TMS was a big, still is a big shot animation studio, and they went full out for a direct video budget. Oh, Way yeah. more money than than any direct-to-video budget has ever had, I would imagine. Right. Uh, when it comes to cartoons, anyways. Uh, and it's just when they're eating those sandwiches, it's so just funnily gross. As yeah, because you can hear the sound the, of the of the bread squishing against yeah. the cream cheese and the mayo. <laughs> oh, or um, there's this great scene, because they're, they're sharing the back seat. It's Plucky Hampton and Uncle, Uncle Stinky. Stinky. Uncle Stinky. It was just a big old fat pig and 
there's a point where Plucky just gets so thirsty he can't stand it anymore because because it's so hot in the car because they won't turn on the air conditioning because it's going to waste gas. Right. Well, air conditioning wastes <laughs> yeah. gas, but if you open yeah. your window, people will think we can't afford air conditioning. <laughs> right. So they just sweat to death <laughs> in this car. They sweat to death. So finally, there's something coming down from the heavens, and Plucky is so happy to ah yes, water, water's coming down, and it's. Uncle Stinky's swiping off his sweat and wringing his, like, washcloth of sweat into Plucky's... Uh, inadvertently oh. to Plucky's... And it's just, Yes. <laughs> and then his tongue turns to ash. And, oh, there's just so much of that. Those gangs. Uh, and, and the one I, the one line I always remember when Bugs and... Uh, not Bugs. Uh, Buster and Babs are going down river. And they run into that... Uh, family of alligators oh, like the yes. the louisiana alligators so many one-liners yes and it's and it's like he, he wants the the big daddy wants uh buster to marry all three of his daughters it's like and buster's like i can't do that that's bigamy <laughs> the dad says no that's bigamy <laughs> 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 which when i was like seven watching it i didn't understand that joke uh, but my mom thought it was hilarious right and then um, that point when he walks in and yeah. sees him he goes well skin me alive and call me luggage what have we here <laughs> yeah, right and again at seven who cares but as an adult i'm like that's awesome that's hilarious um, I, and I think what really sells, yeah. and this is not what really sells it, this is just the cherry on top of a movie yeah. I would have recommended anyway, yeah. is if you ever watch that movie, have you ever paid attention to the credits? Oh, it's it's constant. The jokes yeah. are, are those credits would be half as long if there weren't so many jokes in them, but the, the, the end credits have text jokes in them, yeah. and holy smokes are some of them the funniest thing. I remember, yeah. and not just one or two. Oh, no. Like, you could pause every three seconds and there's a joke. I remember watching it with my 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 mom the, for the first time, and she didn't care at all. She's like, "This is a dumb kids' cartoon. I don't care. No. I don't like this." False. And then the credits come on, and she sees something. Goes, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute!" We re- we rewind the tape, and we start from the beginning, and we start pausing every three to five seconds, and she starts dying, like <laughs> peeing her pants, laughing so hard. Yeah. And it because some of the jokes are just so. You don't expect them, and they're so unexpected. No, you don't expect them, so unexpected. No, but you yeah. just—they're so out of the blue that you get caught by surprise, and you laugh yeah. at them. And they are just yeah. some of the best ones. Oh yeah, even goodness. more like 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 the credits even won't leave you alone with jokes. Right. Like, yeah. Like, even those have to be riddled with jokes. Um, oh, there was one more thing I was going to to say, but oh yes, in the Fifi Lafume subplot where she's trying to chase after Johnny Pew. Johnny Pew. Yes. Um. There is like they so, like they make some reference to it. Ain't over till the fat lady sings, and then it's Roseanne Barr falling from the ceiling, singing the national anthem badly. Right, and you're like man, that is a reference in time. That had it not been for recent news about Roseanne being a terrible person, this would be a very obscure reference. It would be yes, <laughs> yeah. and and very specific too. Like yeah, they super were spe- they were specifically lampooning one woman's poor singing performance at a, at a what is a San Diego Padres game or yeah, something like something that like yeah that. Oh, man <laughs> and I saw that I was like man that is a very specific reference uh, and as a but, kid I was like kind of mean but like yeah. knowing what I know now about Roseanne that's fine no but, oh, <laughs> yep, it's fine it's fine it's totally fine but uh yeah no that geez that movie is just it there's not I mean with the exception of the uh Elmira chasing down the jungle and, cats, yeah. the jungle cats, and the animal subplot, like that—that that is probably the weakest one. Yeah, but everything else in that movie 
is just Great. the best. The THX uh, sound parody. Yeah. The audience is now deaf. Um, yeah, it's it's loaded with jokes. I watched that so much as a kid. Oh yeah, so much. My mom got sick of renting it. <laughs> right. Well, we yeah. my, my like that was the thing. Was my, yeah. my my family. Uh, there. How do I put this? They showed each other that we. We showed each other that we loved each other by like doing stuff. We never really talked about it. Mm-hmm. And for my grandmother, it was she didn't know like, how to communicate to us. I think she, she, I think she knew in some ways, but in other ways, she was looking for ways to communicate without having to say it. Mm-hmm. And so every time she would go to the store, she would buy another VHS tape for us. Oh. So we had cabinets full of VHS tapes, mm. um, and that was one of the ones she bought us. And that one got so much mileage. Wow. Yeah. I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if that tape still worked. <laughs> uh, it has because I watched. Because yeah. you know what? Oh, really? That, that yeah. movie right now. For those of you who want to see it, it's currently on Hulu. Yeah, you can currently stream it on Hulu. Very easy to watch. My right daughter now. wanted to watch it. I insisted that we use my VHS copy, <laughs> and yeah. we did. Yeah, and it, it it's going pretty well. Yeah, uh, it's holding up. Teddy's favorite joke in all of it because I watched it with him very recently. Uh, Teddy loved Byron. The dog, the, the dog, the really? dog, the the um, the the basset hound. Yeah, that's just basically a blob, right? Um, when he just says "woof" and flops, <laughs> Teddy thought that was the funniest thing in the hey, world. It, <laughs> it, it's that is a very layered movie. Yes, it for is for all ages. There's there's a little something for everybody. Yes, in that movie, but Mr. Lockhart, your final yes, movie. My choice. final movie choice is one. I, I I was struggling to come up with a fifth, and I. You know, looked on other websites just to sort of list of summer movies to see what it was. And when I saw this one, I was like, yeah, this kind of has to be mentioned. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could not mention it. Um, it's Jaws. Fair it's, enough. Uh, it, it fits a lot of bills. It's a summer movie that came out in the summer. It uh, takes place in the summer. Right. At a very summery locale. Checks all the boxes. Beach. And uh, it's a big old blockbuster. In fact, uh, the f- uh, arguably the first of its kind mm-hmm. in terms of being a summer blockbuster, quote-unquote, as we understand it today. Wasn't that Steven Spielberg's first... Theatrical film? Bite of the Apple, yeah? I think so. Uh, His first yeah, big one, anyway. Uh, Duel came before that or something, but I don't know. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that. Right. Because um, otherwise I'll just get anal about it and want to look it up and be right. Um, but Jaws is just so good it has it has thrills it has some chuckles here and there uh, so it has really fun characters i love the the scene in particular when they're all kind of in the cabin of the boat and they are getting drunk swapping stories swapping manly stories and the final line uh, with which jaws is dispensed uh smile you son of a i can't complete that <laughs> <laughs> but um it's it's just a really great very watchable movie. I remember there was a time when that movie was ubiquitous on cable. You right. Yeah. And I think every time it came on, I just watched the rest of it. You know, even it didn't matter if it was in the middle, it didn't matter if it was in the beginning. I was like, well, I'll watch this. This this is good. <laughs> yeah. I'd be curious to see what cable edits out of that movie. And what they leave behind. I know the final scene, Smile, You Son of a, was cut. The scene or that line? That line. Okay. That line. You got to see the shark blow up in all its glory. 
Um, Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, I know, right? That we, that we you know, violent, wholesale violence, perfectly acceptable. That specific four-letter word. Uh, yeah, but the word "bitch" is wrong. Yes, yes. That um, that is where we draw. Yes. That is where we draw the line. Lest we clutch our pearls. And, yeah, right. I do remember. I don't. I don't remember if the severed head made an appearance or not. If they cut that out, because if you think about it, like the whole like them finding the severed head doesn't really serve the plot that much. Okay. Um. So they might have cut that out. But I do remember um, the older guy. I don't. I. I don't really remember the, the names of the characters very well, except for Brody and um, Quint, Quince, something like that. Uh, but anyway, but, but I remember him getting eaten was pretty, uh, they kept a lot of that in. Because, you know, like when he coughs up the blood, he gets bit on. Right. Um, and it's gruesome. It is. How old were you when you saw that? I'm just curious. I saw to... that for the first time? I might yeah. have been nine or ten, I think. Do you feel like you were ready cable. for it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was fine. Yeah. I, I'd seen Jurassic Park by that point. Oh, okay. I mean, I'd seen a TV-edited Jurassic Park, but I'd seen it. That's enough. Um, yeah, so so I felt I felt fine in watching it. And it wasn't like... Because when I watched Psycho for the first time at around that same age, like that did terrify me. Okay. And I had to shower with the door open. Oh, the the, <laughs> yeah. the Hitchcock? The Hitchcock, Psycho. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, I saw that when I was 10, and it terrified me. And really? I had to, yeah, and I had... But... Jaws didn't have that same effect on me because I was like, I'm, sharks don't live in the pool, in the neighborhood pool I go in. Like, I'm never going to come across a shark. Right. Like, to me, I was, a, it was able to abstract it so that it was just like a dinosaur in Jurassic Park. You know, like, sure, it's kind of threatening and a little scary, but I know for a fact that those don't... I, I'll never come across a dinosaur. I'll never come across a shark. Who right. cares? <laughs> you know? The threat is not imminent. Correct. Um, whereas Psycho is like, Anybody could just go crazy. Right. Stab you in the shower. Norman Bates, man. Norman Bates, he'll do it. That's a great movie. Not that very that, is, that is a great movie. Yeah, maybe. I consider that more of a fall feature. Yeah, I'd, I'd go there, too. Don't know why. There's... No, there's a rabbit trail in my head. Yeah. <laughs> I, I anyway, don't, yeah. anything to say about Jaws? Um, I, I've seen Jaws. I I think I got to Jaws too late. I think that it, mm. uh, by the time I had gotten to yeah, it... How it, old were you when you saw it? Oh, gosh. I was like 24. Yeah, yeah, it's too late by that point. I, and, and I had heard it hyped as this like amazing uh, film that everybody has to see, and it, yeah. and it and it it shocked a generation and kept a generation of people out of the water. Yeah, and blah blah. And I and so I finally got to it. I'm like, all right, let's see this thing. And I yeah. saw it, and I went, okay, it's good, it's fine. I, I think it might be one of those cases where you've seen so many other things that it influenced right. that when you finally see the the article, you're like, well, I've seen this before. Right, <laughs> right. And I think that's yeah. My feelings, and this was probably way out of left base, and I'm going to get so many. <laughs> whoever listens to this might mention it to me, but like, I don't personally care much for Nirvana. Okay, I, I, like, I follow you there. I like the I impact. There. I like uh-huh. the impact Nirvana had on the on on grunge and punk and 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 the, and the impact that it had on music. Yeah. But the Patient Zero, which was Nirvana, I don't really have any interest in listening to. They're fine. Yeah, so it's semi Jaws. Jaws, yeah. like I don't care about Jaws. I like yeah. what Jaws did for cinema, yeah. but I don't really care about Jaws. Yeah, if it was on, I wouldn't complain. Yeah. Is that how you feel about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I would never be like Ugh, Jaws. Ugh. Yeah, but like yeah. It, I don't change the channel when Nirvana comes on either. Yeah, right. But you know, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> but I love Jaws. I I grew up watching a lot, and that, that was a movie like my. Th- there weren't a lot of these, but because my mom, uh, she didn't like a lot of cartoons, so we didn't. So she wouldn't watch those. Uh, with us very much she wouldn't watch the monster movies with us or whatever 
Um, and Dad, you know, he could his interest faded in and out of movies, but but Jaws was one that we could all the family could get together and really enjoy. Everyone could get behind it. Uh, and my wife was into this now. It's like Jaws is a family movie. What is wrong with your family? <laughs> but it is. It's a great movie. At one point during the summer, my dad yeah. brought home what he thought was going to be a new standard classic family movie for us all, and I was like eight, maybe nine, and, uh-huh. he, and he brought home Spaceballs, <laughs> and he put it on and forgot. How much swearing is in There's that movie? So much swearing in that movie, and so he forgot. And my mom, my dad, my dad did the same thing. Actually, it, now they remember it. And my mom is like, he did the same thing. Al, turn that off. Yeah, and I'm doubled over, belly laughing. And he yeah. said to my mom, "I can't take it away from him now." Yeah, like I literally don't have the capacity to take this movie away from him right now. He's yeah. having so much fun watching it, and I was. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I uh, because I had li- I had enjoyed Star Trek so much, and I had yeah. liked sci-fi so much that that was just, I mean, hit all I, the right spots. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you brought John Candy, who I adored, into mm-hmm. into uh, uh, into sci-fi that I loved, mm-hmm. and it just it, it was. Great. And that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, right I'm right sorry. Right. I'm sorry. You can cut this uh, off. You can cut this off. Real but. quick. Uh, no, I won't. Um, real quick. Uh, Barf. What's your full name? Bartholomew. <laughs> I love Man. it. Man, uh, the greatest. I, uh, I, I love that movie. is so dumb, but I love it. I love it so much. Honestly, okay. yeah, it has a cohesive plot. Yeah, it does. It it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah. Everything pretty much makes sense. Mm-hmm. I've seen movies that have done worse. There's a lot of jokes packed in. Oh yeah, it's the a joke constant stream of jokes. I for for me when it comes to comedies, I'm a big fan of joke density. Yes, me too. Like me too. It, I, I don't want to hear that they're oh, there's only like three jokes in the movie, but they're amazing. No, no. Mm-hmm. I want to be hit between the eyes. Every I want the jokes coming a mo- like every twelve hundred miles seconds. a minute. Yeah, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I, I want them constantly. Yeah. So yeah, if, whether it's television or movies, joke density is important. And I, I derailed this conversation horribly. And I, nope, I nope. So sorry. That's okay. wasn't that, wasn't long enough for it to matter. Don't worry, you're good. Um, so we thought the way that uh, we could whoop, that I could that we could in this podcast. This is this is a team effort. I didn't mean to say I. <laughs> we could finish this up by ranking our choices. Fair enough. Uh, because Lou did his. In fact, I'm going to just repeat Lou's to hit to, uh, real quick, so that way we have uh, him, uh, his uh, his ranking there. Uh, his was number five, Heavyweights. Number four, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Number three, Camp Nowhere. Number two, Little Giants. Number one, The Sandlot. That that is, is a quality his. list. That's, it is a very quality list, even though I haven't seen a few of those. I've heard they're good. Andy, All right. would you like to rank your choices? I would. Number five would be Garden State. Okay. Because, a couple reasons. One, it's not necessarily a fun movie. Yeah. It's more of a introspection movie. And it came out in 2004. I have a hard time calling that nostalgic. I mean, I feel like a jerk saying 2004 eh. is nostalgic. Eh. So, number five is Garden State. Number four is Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie. Because even though it has an emotional connection with me, it's still not a good movie. Yeah. Um, number three would be Flight of the Navigator. Straddles the line between good movie and not good movie, but uh, heaven help me, I enjoy it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, two is Tiny Toon Adventures, How I Spent My Summer Vacation, because that is oh. endlessly rewatchable. I thought that might be your one. No, that's my two. Okay. Yeah, endlessly rewatchable, and and I have a lot of fun with it. But, jeez, uh, there are there are some movies, and we all have this movie where you're watching this movie. I'll stop what I'm doing and watch with you. Yeah, that movie is Back to the Future. 
Back to the Future. If, if I walked into one. your house, Nate, and you're like, hey, I'm watching Back to the Future, uh, my plans are canceled. I will sit next to you and watch Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, yeah, and I love that film to, to an unhealthy degree. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's a good movie. It's a great movie. It's a good movie. Mine, uh, I'm going to say number five as Dazed and Confused, uh, just because as you probably listened to me, it must not have made that much of an impression on me because I couldn't think of a whole lot to say about it. <laughs> but I swear it's good. So number five, Dazed and Confused. Number four, I'm going to say Meatballs is my number four. Okay. It's very good. I enjoy it uh, a lot. That's why it's my number four. <laughs> that's, not a, that's a terrible reasoning. Great story, Nate. Tell it again. Uh, it's good, and I, I like it. Number four. Number three. Number three, uh, I'm going to say Jaws. Okay. It's a super solid movie. Oh, sure it is. But, and, and I would, I'll, I'll watch it anytime it's on. But it doesn't mean a lot to me specifically. As much as uh, my number two, The Sandlot does. Number two, oh, The Sandlot. Oh, goodness, yes. I love that movie. Uh, I've seen it a lot. Me and my wife really enjoy watching it. We, I think we watch it every summer. Um, and it speaks so well to to being a kid in the summertime. Right. I think it speaks perfectly to, to that feeling. And my number one is a goofy movie. That's a solid number one. <laughs> it's just, it combines so much of my favorite uh, summer tropes. Mm-hmm. Um, the end of the school year, a road trip, terrible roadside attractions, um, yeah, uh the episodic nature of things uh it's just that soundtrack yes uh everything about it just screams summer and it's also it's it's one that weirdly out of all these movies the one that hits me the hardest emotionally right as well as being fun there is nothing that movie does poorly I don't care whether it's so. Yeah, I think I'm with you. On I don't that. care whether it's pacing or yeah. or plot or voice acting or mm-hmm. uh, use of music or emotional impact. There's nothing that movie does badly. It's, it's it's really solid, and something I wouldn't have considered being in my top Disney movies until talking about it. Like you know what, I think this cracks that top five pretty pretty easily. Right, Goofy movie is wonderful. So that but, I'm sorry, I don't mean to oh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Did you see Goofy movie in theaters? Or was that a v- uh, is that a VHS uh, viewing for you? I don't think I saw it in theaters. I think it was videotape. Okay. Uh, I don't think it was in theaters for long, was it? I, d- I did see it in you theaters. You did theaters? Okay. But I don't know how long it was there, but I caught it while it was there, which yeah. is rare because I didn't see many movies in theaters as a child. It was just yeah. not something we spent money on. Uh, yeah, uh, same same here. I didn't see a lot of Disney movies in, in theaters. The Lion King is one that comes to mind that I did, that my family did make the effort to go see, but... Um, but yeah, those are our top five summer movies. Andy, where can we find you? You can find me on uh, on Twitter at the Andy Parks T H E A N D Y P A R K S with an underscore at the end. Mm-hmm. You can also find me on uh, Instagram the same way. Uh, uh, the Andy Parks. There is no underscore in this one. It's just the Andy Parks. But that's yeah. where you can find me, mm-hmm. Nathaniel. The Andy Parks. Tell your friends. <laughs> Uh, you can find me at Nate underscore Lockhart on Twitter, where I talk a lot about old stuff, retweet old stuff, and uh, complain about the state of the world. And uh, so be miserable with me. 
as for other places to find me, I'm, I'm not on Instagram. I'm not on your Tumblers. <laughs> I'm, uh, but I do encourage you to go to MemoryMachinePod.com. Look up our past episodes. Go to the SoundCloud page for the Geekiverse. And uh, I won't do any more plugs for the Geekiverse website other than that because you'll have heard it already in the middle. May I just stop you a moment and say that I my would. my wife just uh, finished listening to the previous episode of the show, the Homestar Runner episode. Oh, did she? And she has gotten an inordinate amount of joy listening to that to the <laughs> point that she. <laughs> I'm glad of it. She loved that podcast so much. She told me. I would say on at least half a dozen occasions how much she enjoyed listening to it. And I stepped out of the house the other evening and came back and found her watching all of the old home, all of the strong bad emails. Um, Cause they're all on YouTube. Yeah. And, oh, and, and by officially very accessible, officially from Homestar runner. It's not like some yeah. random guy did it. Yeah. Homestar runner put them online and she uh, is just in her glory. Oh yeah. And uh, so I wanted to, promote that episode please go back and listen to that episode it's fun. and we and, had a lot of fun and, talking and, about and it. thank you for doing it because oh, yeah, it, it, it was a good one it was a lot of fun and i uh also katie and i both binged immensely on on uh, on homestar runner in fact I, we went to go visit my my nana in uh, west virginia and she just kept quoting that cheat commandos thing. It was like, they'll never find me in our Nana's backyard. It <laughs> was never be touched by Nana and go to her house. Like she just kept saying that over and over and over again. Um, but yeah, that, that was a lot of fun to record. I'll and bet. I'm glad to hear that it's having the same effect on people who've listened to it as it did to me in that it made me rewatch a lot of Homestar. Yes. So, but yeah, you can check out all the old stuff there. Um, Thanks a lot for listening. We'll be back again in a couple of weeks with a whole new brand spanking new episode for you. In the meantime, thanks for hanging out with us and uh, this freewheeling podcast. Um, Nate, thank you for having me. Uh, a pleasure. And uh, we love you, listeners. Bye. Bye. Rubber, the fruited plane. But now, wait a minute. I'm talking about... You know, God done shed his grace on thee. He, he, he crowned that good. Yes, he did. Heavy brotherhood from sea to shine and see. You know, I wish I had somebody to help me sing this. Yes.